Yael Lasowski from the Consumer Choice Center joins us each and every Friday morning just after 9.30. And uh, he is with us uh, once again here on the Big Talker FM, host of the Consumer Choice Radio Show. He, alongside his co-host Dave Clement, each and every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on the Big Talker FM. Yael, my friend, I hope you're doing well. Doing quite well here, Joe. Hope you're doing well as well, and uh, everything is great there on the Carolina coast. Yeah, beautiful weather uh, this time of year. A little fall in the air, uh, but uh, <laughs> you're in, uh, you know, maybe a long long sleeve shirt by you know morning, and uh, back into the sandals and board shorts by lunchtime. Uh, this is well, you got your pumpkin spice though, so I think you should be happy. Right? Yeah, well, I've actually, I had my first pumpkin spice. Uh, Adult beverage, in fact, uh, last night. Uh, very tasty, I can say, say that, from uh, New Belgium Brewing, the Voodoo Ranger chapter of Pumpkin Spice. Uh, very tasty, I can say. That's good consumer choice. I love it. Let's have more of these products. Well, speaking of consumer choice, as it relates to which candidates you feel are the best for consumer choice and freedom in our state and country, we have a big race, of course, here in North Carolina that could have huge implications as it relates to, well, which majority party holds that majority in the U.S. Senate with Senator Tom Tillis and Cal Cunningham hosting and taking part in a pair of of uh, debates over the last uh, couple of weeks uh, uh, senator tillis apparently still you know down in the polls uh, though well do the polls tell you everything who knows uh, well time shall tell uh, but with that said when we look at consumer choice from a standpoint that you look at everything as far as you know freedom and the ability for we as consumers to cho- choose in our state uh, who is the best senator for consumer choice in north carolina with this u.s senate race between tom tillis and cal cunningham So if you've checked into the last two debates that we've seen on TV for the North Carolina uh, Senate hopefuls, I I don't really know if I can answer that question. You know, I I looked for good personality. I looked for good policies and everything we got from the Democrat candidate, Cal Cunningham. Most of it is really just boilerplate Democrat politics. Uh, It really didn't seem there was anything innovative or new. It mostly seemed as if this was a could have been a race that was run, you know, many years ago. Uh, a lot of this stuff has been based on personal jabs, uh, some COVID stuff. Uh, but when it comes to health care, I think that's one of the most important issues for North Carolinians. One of the most important things that Congress has actually dilted his hands into in the last couple of years. And on the Cal Cunningham front, you know, he's looking at expanding Medicaid in North Carolina. He's a supporter for that. He wants uh, the Affordable Care Act to be upheld, more of a public option. Uh, we've gone it over a couple times on this program, Joe, but this kind of attitude to healthcare is not going to fix our problems, not going to solve anything. If anything, we need to have a lot more competition. We need to have less government intervention and interference and allow nice alternatives to pop up. We, we didn't really see that on the planks that uh, the Democratic hopeful Cal Cunningham put forward. When it comes to Tom Tillis, Um, You know, he's been sort of the mainstream Republican on this. Again, I think in the beginning, uh, he's he's someone who comes from not much. And, you know, we heard that a lot in the debates. You would think there would be many more innovative ideas. I didn't hear him as much, though. He's talking more, you know, free market and a bit more boilerplate Republican stuff. So it seems as if this is just an auxiliary race. Um, Everyone has kind of exported their ideas or their uh, idea thinking uh, modules up to D.C. So I didn't really see any key specific uh, North Carolina solutions. Uh, Still interesting that both have admitted to smoking cannabis and marijuana. 
Uh, don't really have any big plans. Uh, you know, I couldn't really find much apart from Cunningham a bit talking about this. But, you know, I didn't really see too many things. I know healthcare is going to be a big concern. That's probably the one thing to focus on. And, and whether it'll be a vote or whether it be the Supreme Court decision, uh, it's going to be really important. But overall, it seems this is just a proxy for the normal D versus R political race here in North Carolina. And uh, with that said, I kind of found it hilarious in that uh, I tuned into that second debate between uh, Tillis and Cunningham towards the back end, like literally the last uh, eight minutes because I forgot that it was on. And that was the question that uh, was popped up. The who has smoked weed question was asked and uh, flipped it on for about five seconds. And uh, it was Senator Tillis uh, talking about his roots and growing up in a trailer park. And I grew up in a trailer park. <laughs> I, of course, I've smoked weed, uh, whatever that means. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the Cal Cunningham, yes, as a young person, I smoke marijuana. And uh, I just found it hilarious. And uh, given the fact that you are an advocate for consumer choice, you talk a lot about cannabis policy. Still amazing here in the state of North Carolina. Uh, there's no you know policy that allows for medical uh, marijuana or at least, uh, you know, in the uh, healthcare industry. You know, OK, you want to go down the, the route of legalization. That's maybe another conversation uh, looking at how other states have fared with that. But uh, medical marijuana still not available here in North Carolina. Carolina, uh, a little behind the times, we'll say, with that. But there are also other alternatives to cannabis that, of course, contains the THC, and that is the thriving CBD industry, which is basically uh, the same uh, well type of uh, substance, but without the well, the, the makeup and the products that, that get you high, the THC. In fact, uh, I was walking in downtown Wilmington just the other day with my family. My wife got coffee, wasn't in the mood for coffee, needed to get uh, you know a juice box for my kid. And the only convenience store I happened to walk into was a hemp and a CBD store. So I'm like, all right, I thought this was a convenience store and uh, it, it smells like weed in here. And uh, then I went to the cooler and I saw and had and consumed my first CBD soda. Uh, sparkling water, and I gotta say, I was mellowed out, man, for a little while. Not high, but just uh, you know, it was like I took a Xanax. And yeah, and that's a huge missed opportunity in, in these Senate debates, and really North Carolina policy. We have a lot of former tobacco farmers in this state, and this is these people are primed to be able to churn out tons of hemp that can be used for these type of sodas. They can be used for clothing. It can be used for fuel, all kinds of things. And there's a huge industry that's just waiting there to happen. There aren't too many advocates right now in D.C. who are spreading that message apart from Consumer Choice Center. But North Carolina could be a hemp state. You know, that's what Kentucky right now is sort of the one of the number one places for hemp generally. Uh, California obviously has all the, the cannabis with THC. But for the CBD cannabis, that, that is legal and people are able to put into food and drinks and this kind of thing, you know, North Carolina has a really good ability to take that to the next step. I didn't really see that from the senators. I don't know. Maybe the, the right people aren't talking in their ear, but there's a lot that could be done there. And then there's not really too many good laws being passed on CBD right now at the federal level. A lot of it has to do with taxation, who can own land that's dedicated to hemp. Uh, so there's a lot going on there, huge market opportunities. Anyone has seen CBD shops in their small town. So this is obviously thriving. It's an alternative to intoxicants like alcohol and could be a way to relieve pain as well. So there's there's a huge amount that can be done there. Kind of sad that the uh, Senate hopefuls weren't able to talk about that. It's amazing, as you said, uh, you know, given the rich agriculture industry that we have here, how no one has kind of jumped uh, on that uh, train and, uh, you know, take it into you know, a situation where, as you mentioned, it could be very uh, prosperous for those farmers out there and can provide uh, 
know, just uh, so much of an alternative, uh, well, pain medication for many people, particularly, you know, you hear stories of, of people with arthritis and, uh, you know, other types of uh, physical uh, pain and aches rather than, you know, the pain pills that, uh, you know, made us and turned us into well, the opioid capital of the world here in uh, Wilmington and uh, around the country, nearly every area in the country has been rat- riddled with some type of issues related to substance abuse and opioid abuse. And this is a, you know, an alternative to that without, uh, you know, getting the prescription drug companies involved. Uh, and, uh, you know, no one is jumping on uh, that train. As I said, it's uh, pretty, pretty sad that uh, no one is advocating for this. And I got to say, I- I'm a big advocate of that CBD soda. In fact, I may go pick a little expensive, but I go may go pick up a case this weekend of it just to, you know, when, when the wife and the kid got you stressed out, let me go have that uh, little cbd soda and uh it'll you know mellow me out just a, a little while hey yael another topic of discussion here this morning we welcomed in the u.s secretary of energy dan brayette to the program a little earlier to talk about uh, efforts here in our country to well produce and consume energy in addition to of course fossil fuels but an effort here in our country to diversify uh, that type of co- consumption and production out in the state of California, I guess, in the next 15 years, uh, well, they're looking to eliminate uh, gas cars on the roadway. You know, we're talking 15 years. So by the time your daughter, my daughter, have an opportunity to drive a vehicle, they may not be available as we know it here today in the state of California. Thoughts on that push by Governor so, Gavin yeah. Newsom? <laughs> this is not even a, a law that was passed by the Assembly. This is an executive order. So it comes right from California Governor Gavin Newsom's hand. And, you know, this is bad for many reasons. I think first off, we have to think about the California spillover effect. You know, we can say all day California's crazy, they have terrible laws. But the thing is, it's a huge marketplace. And if you think of California's regulatory model, because it is such a huge state, companies that want to sell products, buy products, they want to ship things, they essentially have to always comply with California law because you're going to have so many California consumers. So in a way, California is kind of an indirect regulator of everything. And if they're going to go ahead and phase out all gas-powered vehicles, that means that we're going to have less choice in all these other states. So that's number one. Number two, you know, it's not even the most efficient option to try to do this endorsement of electric cars. Uh, I mean, I'd love to have an electric car. I think it'd be great. But overall, in terms of saving the environment or having less of an impact for greenhouse gases, uh, the results are actually pretty nil. Uh, There's been a couple of economists and political scientists who've researched this. And because of the production of electric cars, the mining of the materials, having to get all the scraps together because of the energy it'll use over time, and because we're still using coal-powered power plants, you know, the amount of energy and uh, I guess emissions that are going to go out are so few, like it's just this tiny amount minuscule that you're going to be saving. Even if everybody switched to an electric car tomorrow, that doesn't mean that we can solve anything climate related. And again, this is in California where energy prices are through the roof. The place is on fire. They don't have water. The energy policy is so bad that people have rolling blackouts. You know, if we can't really just make it so that everybody has to use electric cars if we can't even provide normal electricity to people in their homes. So it's a terrible, terrible policy. I would hope there would just be better alternatives. Think of your car today, Joe. My car is a 2015, you know, small SUV, and it's more efficient in gas mileage today than my Volkswagen GTI from 1995 was. And that's not because of a California mandate. It's because consumers demand it. 
And the car manufacturers have realized that. The motors are more efficient. The cars are more efficient. Who knows what it will be like in 2035? If California is trying to set the policy for what the technology will be, that's actually a really bad precedent. And we should never have the government trying to pick the winners and losers when it comes to the energy game or really any products in general. Well, when we talk about that energy game, uh, your uh, colleague, Dave Clement, uh, pointed me to an opinion piece from Market Watch uh, this week uh, where the author of this op-ed talked about and, uh, well, pushed the thought of needing climate lockdowns in our country to halt climate change, you know, which might mean, according to her, governments limiting private vehicle use and, of course, the other well, agenda items like banning the consumption of red meat around the world. But governments limiting private vehicle use, Yael, will that save planet Earth from you know, Armageddon? Yeah, I mean, we look to the economist Bjorn Lomborg, who we've had on our program, and he actually calculates it out. And he said, even if we did all that and everybody got all the energy efficient light bulbs, you're just not going to see the huge amount of shift in temperature that everyone predicts. So most of this stuff is really symbolic. It's a lot of virtue signaling. It's a lot of ways that people are trying to do good and they have their hearts in the right place. And everyone wants a cleaner environment and better water and everything else. But these kind of governmental impositions really don't do much to change. What really does change stuff is innovation, is allowing new products to come on the market, new solutions to be found. You know, if we're hampering all of our creative entrepreneurs, we're not even going to have these solutions for the future. So we want an Elon Musk, but we want, you know, 10 of these, 15 of these to be coming up with big, bold ideas and ways to change our technology. It's not going to come from state houses and legislatures because politicians, if we remember, they're followers of the great innovative things that entrepreneurs do, that people do, that you and I do, Joe. So they're following us. And if we're making these decisions on our own, if entrepreneurs can bring great things to market, then we'll have that change that actually could have an impact rather than these, these centralized impositions or bans by places like the state of California. Yael Lasowski with us from the Consumer Choice Center. Yael, before I let you go, you know, as we have documented uh, plenty of times here on the program, uh, your family, your brother, in fact, uh, works in NASCAR. Uh, one of the pit crews for a driver in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. You also, with your finger on the pulse of many of the technological advances, particularly related to, well, the way in which we consume social media and uh, other applications that are popular and trending in our country and around the world. And those two, well, worlds are coming together as uh, the popular app known as TikTok is actually sponsoring a NASCAR Xfinity Series racer. Give us uh, an update on that. Uh, so a Chi or TikTok still owned by the Chinese? Whatever happened with that, by the way? Because last time we talked, uh, the president was going to or they were going to eliminate it from uh, the app stores. Uh, can you give us an update on that? The latest on TikTok. Sure. So TikTok latest, obviously super popular video sharing app amongst your, your Zoomers, your young people. So the deal was President Trump said, we don't want any kind of Chinese ownership. If it wants to be in the U.S., it needs to be owned by an American company. Right now, that's made up of Oracle, which is a cloud computing company, and your favorite retailer, Walmart. So they actually own a portion, but ByteStyle, which is the main, or ByteDance, the main company owned by the Chinese, still owns a majority share. They're figuring out that deal right now, and it's going back and forth between the Trump administration and back to the uh, Chinese Communist Party czars uh, over there in Beijing. So they're still figuring out the deal. 
Uh, they've been able to get a delay on it being deleted from the app stores. But in the meantime, that's what TikTok is doing. They're trying to build up some goodwill with the American people. And that's why they decided to sponsor an Xfinity uh, car in the NASCAR series for driver Ryan Vargas. I saw this uh, pop up on the Twitter yesterday. So it's it seems as if the TikTok folks know they need to reach out to the American people and why not through NASCAR. Uh, but there's still a lot of questions on TikTok. This is still owned by the Chinese Communist Party. They still collect all of the information. There's still a lot of questions there that really need to be answered. We do need a lot of clarity. We need to understand what's happening to our data when we use these programs, because it's been revealed this week that the Chinese Communist Party is actually keeping very detailed dossiers on hundreds of millions of people around the world. This is not just in China, but also in North America, in Europe, tons of other places. And we don't really know what they're doing with that information. We don't know what it means. Can we ever go to China thinking that we're going to be free? I don't think so. So there's a lot of questions. TikTok is going to be there. It's going to be in our face. Just stay skeptical. Uh, we'll try to follow this deal and make sure that we can uphold you know, the principle of liberal democracies and not allow a, a communist party dictatorship to own technology that so many of us use and then use that for nefarious memes. So we're following it up. Sometimes that does mean doing research, uh, watching NASCAR races. But uh, apart from that, I'll be right here on the Joe Catanacci Show, hoping to give a little bit of analysis. I'm looking forward uh, to uh, that perspective each and every Friday, just after 9.30, to round out our guest list uh, Well, every week here on the Big Talker FM. Yael, his co-host Dave Clement, tomorrow morning. We encourage you to tune in to the Consumer Choice Radio Show, 10 a.m. Saturdays here on the Big Talker. Yael, thanks a lot. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks so much, Joe. All the best to you. We're eight minutes in front of the hour here on the Big Talker FM. We.